0: Well, are you ready for some good news? Yes. Yeah, I really want good news. I mean, to say, <laughs> I've gone from somebody that loves listening to the news to somebody who hates the news. <laughs> I've gone from somebody who listens to every news cycle to somebody who can barely turn it on for 10 minutes just to hear the headlines. But Christmas is all about good news. So let's read a verse together. So we're going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Luke chapter 2 verses 9 and 10, sorry, 8, 9, and 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. Now, there were in the same country, shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy for which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. It, it's all about good news. And the angel's message was, I've got good news for you. And uh, when that angel brought the good news, he had a, a great way of doing it. He got everybody's attention. Nobody was wearing masks. He could see the fear that was on their faces, which is difficult for me. Anybody got fear on their face? <laughs> he, he could see the fear that was on, on their faces, and he says, it's okay. I've come with really good news. Uh, he, he begins to tell them about Christ being born in Bethlehem. And, and then when he makes the announcement, there's an angelic choir that just begins to harmonize in the background and sing glory to God on high. God really knows how to communicate something. You know that? The problem is us. There's the problem, right? So I was thinking, when I was doing, uh, looking at this message this week, I was thinking, you know, for the first 30 years of my Christian life, it's a long time, isn't it? You feel ancient when you say that. Uh, you feel even more ancient when you say the next 30 years had not been so bad. <laughs> but I was thinking while I was writing this message, the first 30 years of my Christian life, I really didn't understand the good news about Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> who said wow? Did you say wow? <laughs> Honestly, I really did not understand the good news about Jesus. Just take the person next to you and say, he's really speaking to you this morning. <laughs> I really did not. You see, my, my background was like a, quite a religious background in which there was a, an overemphasis on Old Covenant Theology. So I knew the God of the Old Testament, and I knew how difficult he could be, and how <laughs> judgmental he could be. And really, really good news for me was when, when I thought about having a message of the gospel to share with people, I really felt that what I had was not so much good news, but an ultimatum. For, so for the first 30 years of my... Am I speaking to anybody at all? Or, or have you known this all of your lives? I really thought that what I had been given to give to people was not so much good news, but an ultimatum. And the ultimatum was this. Turn or burn? Uh, and nobody clapped. Uh, and nobody laughed when I said it. And nobody thought it was good news. In fact, people didn't want to hear it. And I always found that very, very difficult to understand. So it... It took another 30 years for me to understand what I'm going to preach with you this morning. And what I'm going to share with you this morning is something that Liz and I have come to understand for ourselves, and, and it's a revelation. So here's the problem. You cannot communicate revelation. <laughs> so put your hand on the head of the person next to you. It's okay. They won't get COVID. <laughs> put your hand on the other person's hand next to you and say, say in the name of Jesus, Receive a fresh revelation of what the good news about Jesus means. Amen. Amen. I, do you know, I believe that God is able to communicate something with you that I feel totally inadequate to communicate. Liz and I, I like to tell stories, right? And there's a reason why I like to tell stories. I'll tell you after I tell you the story. Liz and I were in Argentina. No, we weren't. We were in Indonesia. Another part of the world. And we visited a church where the pastor, when we arrived, was incredibly excited. And he said, he said to us, something amazing has happened in this last week. And he began to tell us the story. And when I tell you the story, you're going to think it's incredible. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah all right. <laughs> Three people. Yeah, all yeah, right. There's a, there's a lady in a park in Jakarta, in central Jakarta, on the island of Java in Indonesia, she's a Muslim lady she's very very poor uh, and she's wandering around the park and a man comes up to her and the man is carrying something inside his coat his coat is bulky like this and he's got something stuffed down the front of it that he seems to be holding on to and he says to her I really need a lift to get to another part of the city it's about 30 minutes away can you take me and she said, well, I've got a motorcycle, but I don't have any petrol. In Indonesia, they, the poor people don't buy petrol by the gallon. They don't go to a garage and fill up their cars with, with fuel. They buy it by the pint. They buy it by the pint. And it's sold in pint bottles, really hazardous, on the side of the road. And so if you've got a motorcycle, you pull in and you buy one pint of petrol, and you put it in your motorcycle, and it takes you to where you want to go. And they live like a hand-to-mouth, day-to-day subsistence like that. And so he gives her some money, and she goes and gets some fuel for the bike. He gets on the back, and they ride. And he says to her, I'll give you directions, just go where I say. And they ride to another part of the city about 30 minutes. It's torrential rain. And so much so... You know, she can barely see where she's going. The rain's bouncing off. They, they have like, they have two seasons in Indonesia. It's the rainy season and the hot season. And when they have the rainy season, it's hot rain. So, so it was raining the whole journey. And when they come outside a certain building, he taps her on the shoulder and he says to her, this is it. Stay here. You've got needs. Someone in this building will come and help you. And he disappears. And he never returns. And so after a short while, she parks up the motorcycle and realizes that although it's been raining torrential, she's bone dry. <laughs> it's okay, you can say, well. And And she is bone dry. And while she's thinking about this surreal moment she walks into this building she doesn't realize is a church and she goes looking for the man and there's no sign of the man downstairs she hears a lot of commotion going on upstairs and doesn't realize that there's a prayer meeting going on upstairs in the church she goes upstairs to the prayer meeting and the pastor meets her at the door and says can I help you and she says well I'm looking for the man that I brought here and he says well what does he look like what did he say? What was he wearing? She's trying to describe this man. They look all around the building. They can't find him anywhere. And she looks on the wall, and there's a picture of Jesus. <laughs> and he's carrying a lamb down the front of his coat. And he's holding on to the lamb. And, and the woman says, that's him. That's the man. And the pastor says, <laughs> now, yeah, now you're saying, well, right? <laughs> and the pastor says, What? that man. She said, yeah, that man. He said, you gave that man a lift on your motorcycle from Jakarta. And She said, yeah, that man. And the pastor had to sit down with her. She's a Muslim lady. He had to sit down with her and explain who Jesus is and what she had just experienced. On the week that we visited the church, this is like two or three weeks before this, after this event had taken place, they had she got saved. She gave her life to Jesus. And she was from Ambon in Indonesia. And they sent her back to Ambon as a missionary to her family and all the people that knew her. <laughs> you, you look at me like it happens every day in Portland, right? <laughs> I'm a really slow learner. <laughs> Don't say you knew that. I'm a really slow learner. Well, you can understand that. If it took me 30 years to understand what the good news of the gospel was, it really took something as clear as a story like that for me to begin to question my theology. And I thought about it and thought about it. The story is as clear to me today as it was when the pastor told us 12 years ago. 10, 12 years ago, it's as clear to me today. And I pondered over it endlessly saying, well, I thought that was the church's job to evangelize. And it looks like Jesus has gone out and done it himself. And he's bypassed all of the normal agencies of pastors and leaders and evangelists and church people. And he's decided to reveal himself to somebody. Do you reckon Jesus could do that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. 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 And it really rocked the way that I saw presenting the good news. There's a, do you understand the reason why Jesus would preach in parables and stories? Have you any idea why? Have you ever thought about it? You really need to think about this. Jesus, 30% of his teaching is in stories. And he presents the parable, he presents the story in such a way that it's not obvious what he's talking about. So you have to sit down and you have to think about it. And you have to, if you're a disciple, you get hold of him afterwards and you question him on the parable and what it meant. So you really have to think about it. And that's what a story does. It causes you to think and to ponder and to reassess everything that you believe. Well, the second thing I want to say was this that the incarnation, Christ coming, came at the end of 4,000 years of just messages. For 4,000 years, God spoke to people, God made promises to his prophets, God said, A day is coming. God made a, a uh, you know, th- there was going to be a place and there was going to be a time. And this person was going to appear for 4,000 years. And then in one day, it seemed like Christ was born and everything changed. And why it was good news is this. It was good news because this God who could not be approached... This God that you could not even say his name because it was so holy. This God who dwelt in inapproachable light had come in human form. Touch the person next to you. Just put your hand on their arm. All of a sudden, this God that could not be approached could be touched, could be seen, could be listened to. Hebrews puts it like this. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God, who in different times and in different ways spoken to our fathers, the prophets, in times past, has in these last days spoken unto us through his Son. Say, thank God for the incarnation. Thank God for Jesus coming in the flesh. Thank God that he that he made himself so vulnerable that he came so that we could see him and hear him and listen to him. Pastor David was uh, speaking on uh, having the mind of Christ a few weeks ago and encouraging us to exchange the way we think and think like Jesus thinks. How how can you how could you possibly think the way that somebody else thinks. What would be the process of that happening? You'd have to listen to them speak. You'd have to listen to them speak, because as they spoke, the way they thought, their words would come out of their mouth, and you would you would begin to understand a little bit of who they were and what they were thinking, and you could begin to understand it. And, you know, we're going to have to... We're going to have to have a sea change in the way that we think. Because if we want to present the real gospel message to the world, we're going to have to listen to the words of Jesus and ask questions. We're going to have to read the parables that he spoke and ask questions and see do I really have the mind of Christ? There's got to be a shift in our thinking. On another time, we went to Indonesia. We visited the house of a lady. A pastor took us to the house. And he took us to the house because this lady had seen an amazing thing happen. She was a Christian, but her husband was a Muslim. And when she woke up in the bedroom one morning, Jesus was on the wall of the bedroom. His image had come through the wall and was emblazoned at the foot of her bed. Her husband, who was a Muslim, was very offended and got up and scraped it off the wall. But the next day it was back there. And all of her neighbors began to hear about Jesus appearing on her bedroom wall. So much so that they all came to see. There was a knock on the door and when she opened the door there were thousands of people surrounding her house. They had come to see Jesus. She explained, it's my house. You can't come in. It's really small. I can't let you in. It's going to ruin the house. And the Muslim neighbor said to her, look, he's not your Jesus. He's our Jesus. And we demand to see him. And it continued for weeks. So much so that when something like this happens in Indonesia, all the street vendors turn up. So all the street vendors with their little carts and cooking their rice and cooking their noodles and cooking all the stuff, they, they all turn up and they are serving meals to the people who are queued around the block waiting to see Jesus. The other thing that happened was this, that the vendors got worried because they were running out of food. But don't worry about it. Because there was a multiplication of rice and there was a multiplication of noodles, and all of the food that they were cooking. Do you believe God could do that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, anyway, there came a solution to the whole problem. And the solution to the problem was that after several weeks of this daily routine of people coming through our house to see Jesus, and her husband painting over the image and trying to get rid of it, and the image still coming through, eventually the image emblazons its way all the way through the wall so that people on the outside could see it. So they didn't have to go in the house. Wow. <laughs> I say all of this to make us begin to think again. How much does God want to share good news with the world? You see, my thinking from my from my religious background, my thinking was that, that God, who had made such a good job of announcing the birth of Jesus, the angels, the dreams, the visions, the miracles, the Zacharias and Elizabeth receiving a son at an age when they thought they couldn't receive a son, the Virgin Mary receiving the good news, John the Baptist being born, you know, everything that happened surrounding that everything that God could do to bring that message, I really thought when I became a Christian, it all depended on me. And that I was God's plan for planet Earth. And I was very disappointed with it because I wasn't having a lot of success. And then I came to realize, what if, what if God really does love his creation so much? That he is bringing all things under his control to share the message. Is there somebody that you are praying for? Is there somebody that is on your heart that you want them to believe and receive this message? Is there anybody like that? Somebody in your family? Somebody in your street? A husband, a wife, a child, a grandchild? God's heart for them is really simple that they would be saved, and that they would come to the knowledge of His saving grace. Yeah? Just, put, just, Let's pray just a moment. Lord, every person that is on our heart, we declare your hand is upon them. Every person that is on our heart, we declare they are on your heart as well. And that you are not willing that any should perish and that you are going to use all means at your disposal to reach them. Amen? Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that too. I believe that too. You see, King Solomon said that God had, you know, long before there was Ancestry.com, King Solomon said, God has put eternity in the heart of every person. The greatest agnostic, the greatest atheist, the person that says they don't wish to know Christ, inside their very DNA is a recognition that they are eternal beings. Do you believe that? I believe that too. Not, not only that, not only that, but God has set them in a creation that every time they step outside and look at the sky and look at the fields and look at the trees and look at the stars, they are being witnessed to that creation has a creator. So, Salvation and the gospel is being preached in their DNA. It's being preached in creation. And on top of that, God is also not willing that any should perish. And when you read the parables, you know, you read the parable of the, the prodigal son. You see God's response to a person that turns to him. It's not a response of bad news. It's good news. God is running towards them. God is running towards them. Can you see that? God is running towards them. Thirdly, I want to say this. Do you think that heaven is going to be populated full to overflowing? What do you think? Or is heaven, or are we, is it just going to be us and maybe the church down the road? How does it how does it look? What will heaven be like? Will it be full to overflowing? What do you, who thinks yes? Three people. I know what God's desire is. God's desire is that all should know, and that all should come to the knowledge of saving truth. Is that enough? What do you think? Is that enough? When, there's a verse in Isaiah 46, verse 9, and the verse says this. It says, I am God, there is none like me. I am God, there is no other. I declare my, I declare a thing, I declare the end from the beginning. I say my purpose sh- shall stand. What you need to realize in that is, is that when God determines something, he finishes it first, and then he commences it. We can't get our heads around that because we think in terms of linear. We think of starting something and then waiting for the finish. God is not waiting for the day of judgment to see who's going to be in heaven. God has finished it. And so the result is known. And heaven is... Heaven is full to capacity because God is pulling out all of, do you believe this stuff? Three people. I No, I believe it. I, I, the, way that, the way that I preach the gospel is totally different than I would have preached it 30 years ago because I believe that God wants to save people. God is pursuing people. God has put the knowledge of himself inside of people. God is running towards people who, who turn away from him all of their lives. Jesus is calling to people and Jesus is appearing to people himself when necessary. Could you prove that from Scripture? Those stories I told you about Jesus appearing, could you prove that from Scripture? I could. I could. Saul. Saul. Why, why do you persecute me? Why are you kicking against the Holy Ghost? It's me, Jesus. Jesus is appearing to people. And Jesus is calling to them. The, the other thing is this. Is that what if what if the gospel was just not our responsibility. What if God was preaching good news in so many different ways? That What if the angels were involved in it? Do you think the angels could be involved in it? No? Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I think the angels could be involved in it. Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, when he uh, uh, gave the parable of the woman who was searching for the lost coin... He said, when she's founded, she rejoices. And he said, in the same way, the angels rejoice over every sinner that turns and repents. Jesus also, we were talking about, is heaven going to be full? Is heaven going to be fully populated? Jesus told another parable, and it was the parable of the great feast. And I think it's in Luke 14. And Jesus says that a man puts on a great feast. And he says to his servants, go out into the highways and the byways and call to everybody because I want my house to be full. I want my house to be full. That's the plan of God. That he's, He wants a full heaven with the news of the gospel. Lastly, so, what is, what is our part as a church? Am I, am I just somebody with a message? What's better than a person with a message? Someone who is the message. Someone who is the message. For 4,000 years, mankind had heard prophetic words and promises from God. But when God wanted to touch planet Earth... It was incarnation. He was going to appear in a form that people could see, that people could touch, that people could get alongside, that people could experience. And you are not just a person with a message. You have to believe this. You are the message. You don't believe it. Hit the person next to you say, You are the message. You are. You are the message. You are the message. You, you are the message. You. Are, when this. You, this is why. This is why. When people come into contact with you, they're in contact with the message. Sometimes we just want to get people to church, don't we? When people are in your company, they're in church. Listen. When people are in your company, they're in church. Sometimes we just want to get people to Jesus. When people are stood next to you, Christ is in you. Christ is the hope of glory in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Touch the person next to you. Say, when I touch you, I'm touching Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, is not just a concept. It's not. Emmanuel is in the person next to you. Emmanuel is in you. God is in you. God is touching people through you. When people say they want to spend time with you, they're saying, I, I, I have a saying, and my saying is this, if you love me, you're going to really love Jesus. If you love me, you're going to really love Jesus. If you, if, you, if you can feel something when you're next to me, if you can feel the peace, if you can feel the joy, if you can feel the presence of Jesus, then when you receive him, all of this is going to become part of who you are. Let's just pray a moment. Let's all, all stand to our feet. Come on, let's just stand to our feet. Father, I'm praying for... Every person in this building right now. Father, your hand upon them. Yeah, Father. Touch every person. Lord. Just come in your presence, Father. The people that are here that don't know you. Father, come alongside them. Let them feel your strong presence. Father, the people who are here who have loved ones, loved ones who say they're not interested, loved ones who are acting like they don't want to know. Father, we declare that you're pulling out all the stops, that heaven is surrounding them. Your angels are round about them, ministering to them and minister, ministering to us as we speak the good news about you. Father, we declare that your desire for them is that they may be where you are. Father, you want them to come to the knowledge of salvation. Father, we declare your word says you take no jo- joy in the death of the wicked, but that all men would come to repentance. Father, we ask you that you would put good news within us. Father, that we, we would become the good news. Yeah. Father, I just ask you that there would be many testimonies, many testimonies, Lord, this week, over these coming days, that we'll realize, that we'll realize that we are the testimony, that we are good news. Proverbs 25, 25 says this, like water to a thirsty spirit is good news from a far country. Let me tell you, you are good news. Amen. Amen. Amen.